This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian, tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it you can work out in it. You can go outside. You can go shopping down in your local wherever. And you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. Here on FanDuel TV, I'm Jason Goff, the host of the Full Go, covering all things Chicago. We'll get to the Bears in a second, but coming up, John Yastrzemski is going to take you through the Giants' big win over the Commanders and recap Jets' bills where I saw Tim Doyle got some snaps. And also, Brian Barrett and James White will talk about the Patriots' preparations for Week 12 during their bye. Plus, Shale Kapadia and Ben Solak will preview the huge Monday night football matchup between the Eagles and Chiefs. We are all looking forward to that. But first... We'll talk some Bears Lions, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome on in. Like I mentioned, you can catch us every Sunday, every Tuesday, and every Thursday right here on the Full Go Podcast, unless we need an emergency pod or something like that to be dropped. I almost dropped one uh, last night, but I knew that, you know, hilarity would ensue because Bears Lions was happening on Sunday afternoon here in the great city of Chicago. I should say in the great city of Detroit, but I'd be lying in terms of that being a great city. Shout out to all my Detroit people. Don't get mad at me. Uh, I didn't make it. You know, I didn't force the jobs away. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I didn't come in and regentrify the area. It's not my fault. It's not my fault. Shout out to all my Detroit people. I'm just messing with you. Shout out to Vinny Goodwill, all my people out there. You know, I love Detroit. I love Detroit. I just like Chicago a whole lot better. And I'm saying this from a place of pain. All right. And and if you listen to the pod, you know that I get all up in arms about Chicago Bears football. I start throwing things. I start screaming at people. I start speaking incoherently. And that's just on a regular Wednesday and Thursday, you know, not to mention a Sunday afternoon where I was sick this entire weekend, y'all. I was like, you know what? Save up your strength, Jay, because Bears Lions is coming to save you. Huh? I just knew that Justin Fields and the boys are coming to make sure that I would get myself out of the infirmary and back on the track to health. I will say this now because I don't want to raise my voice. You can hear it's a little strained. I will say this now. Matt Eberflus and Luke Getze need to be punted into the sun. Not fired. Okay? Not asked to leave the building. (laughs) Okay? Not their key cards revoked. Huh? 
<laughs> not 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 planning to, to to rent again instead of buying punted into the sun ladies and gentlemen i want to let you know that in the history of nfl football there is only one time where a team has lost after having a 40 minute time of possession edge in the game 40 plus minutes and three plus turnovers in the turnover margin 40 other times the other team has won the one time in NFL history that the team has lost yeah you guessed it today huh Sunday the beautiful day of our Lord <laughs> what is it was in November what I don't even know the damn date okay November 19th 2023 mark it down in your record books ladies and gentlemen this was the day that the improbable was made probable by the 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 sterling shining figures of coaching that we know as Matty Bufloos and Luke Getzey. And boy, was I on Luke Getzey's train at the start of this game, huh? That first 15 script always looks lovely. It looks amazing. Uh, after three or four weeks of Tyson Bajan mania and all the things that Justin was going to learn from him, Luke Getzey said, I might change the launch angle. I might design some more exact, some, some more actual design run plays for the quarterback. Huh? I, I might get him in that RPO game. I might make the Lions play vertically as well as horizontally. I might do those things. And that first drive was perfect. Couldn't ask for anything more. Then the Bears defense comes out there, forces a turnover. Next thing you know, we're cooking with gas. You're moving down the field. And then, ladies and gentlemen, it happened. You know what it is? The test. The test that every NFL coach and any every NFL play caller probably has to go to. The test that asks you what you got now. After the first 15, what do you have in store? There's a whole bunch of things that happened to that Bears offense. But I want to I wanna get to the fact that Matt Eberflus chose on two separate fourth downs. Instead of, you know, going for it and actually evaluating what you got in your crew, he actually chose to choose, he chose to kick field goals. He chose to kick field goals near the 20 yard line, two different times down the stretch with Justin Fields doing everything he wanted in the RPO game. I'm going to tell y'all right now, Justin Fields was the best player on the football field at Ford field. And that's a field that had Panay Sewell, a field that had Aiden Hutchinson, that, that, that nickelback that they got had a couple of holding calls, Brian branch, but he's going to be a good one. All right. Uh, a uh, 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 Lou McNeil, that dude, that the dude that we talked to our guy, Eric Woodyard about on this very podcast, made a couple of plays. Okay. Amon St. Brown. Amon Ross St. Brown. Hey, baller. Bonafide baller. David Montgomery had to get that game. The best player on the field in the Bears-Lions game was Justin Fields. And we won't even get to the Tyson Bajan people who have gone back into their hole and, and, and will wait to come out during baseball season once again. Justin Fields did everything you could have imagined a running quarterback coming off of an injury would be asked to do. He executed the game plan to a T. He was making angled throws where he was creating the angle. He kept his head up, looking downfield, and there were a few moments in this game. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, the next ball that Tyler Scott catches of consequence will be the first one. Okay? And it just speaks to the lack of talent that this Bears team had before this year started, when the expectations started to grow. 
Because before, we'd be talking about Valus Jones dropping that ball or not tracking that ball correctly. Or another special teamer who was playing in that wide receiver room who was getting actual snaps at the position that was detrimental. Yeah, I should say detrimental. <laughs> I was going to actually say, <laughs> actually say pivotal, but actually detrimental to evaluating your quarterback. The other people who have been playing wide receiver got replaced by a rookie out of Cincinnati who I had high hopes for, but have still yet to make a deciding game changing impactful play he had his chance you know when he got his chance he got his chance on the bears last drive where they're they're supposed to be running time off the clock they got 15 seconds off the clock you know how they got 15 seconds off the clock because against two nine-man boxes they ran into the middle of the line they ran into the middle of the line you know how the detroit lions schemed that thing up they put five defensive linemen out there on an rpo scheme and said hey i dare you justin fields to keep this football Go ahead and run into the middle of the line with nine men in the box. That happened twice in a row with Khalil Herbert. Roshan Johnson running angrier than anybody on the field, not named David Montgomery down down the stretch because of Deontay Foreman's injury. Khalil Herbert did not have a Khalil Herbert type of game, and and it's about time for one of those. Since he's come back off the injury list, eh, he's looked like a guy who's been running hurt, to be honest with you. Roshan Johnson's got the juice, but may not have all the blocking schemes down pat, may not be the guy that you want to protect your quarterback on third downs. I get it, but two times into the middle of the line, first and second down, get run off, you call timeouts, and then you have yourself an an instance, and I can't even blame the coaching on this one, y'all. You have yourself an instance where you schemed up everything that you wanted on a play. It's third and five. (laughs) You scheme up everything that you want on a play because you got two crossing routes, the safety comes down, Justin Fields makes the right read. He makes the intelligent read. He's got a one-on-one with no safety behind Tyler Scott is running down the field. And what does Tyler Scott do in the moment of truth? He looks up for the ball, starts to track it, and loses his steps, loses a second of speed, a half step of speed, lets that ball glance off his fingertips. Next thing you know, you're kicking the ball back to the Detroit Lions, and Jared Goff turned into Joe freaking Montana down the stretch. The Bears defense, the Bears defense, yeah, I just mentioned third down. The Bears defense allowed the first six third downs by the Detroit Lions to be converted. You can't win football games that way. And if it weren't for a tip ball that landed in the arms of Tremaine Edmonds, right, and Sam Laporta getting picked off on one, one pass play where Tyreek Stevenson, who, by the way, had a hell of a football game with a forced fumble, right, and a pick, Right? I mean, hey, shout out to Richard Hightower. Hey, we y'all know how we do on this pod. Every week we check in with the special teams coach. Everybody else f-ed up, y'all can't. All right? So shout out to the special teams. You kicked all the field goals in the world, right? Everybody in the special teams room should be having 12 points off field goals. That is not a win, y'all. I'm sorry. Anytime your kicker got 12 points, you did not do well on offense. All that in the 20s is cardio. You got to push the ball into the end zone, period, period. 12 points, uh, you get a forced fumble on special teams. Richard Hightower on the plane, like, hey, they ain't talking about me this time. I know that for sure. But mind you, 
Six for six. That's what the Detroit Lions were on their first six third downs. I don't want to hear nothing about this Bears defense. Because when it ain't Brian Hoyer, when it ain't the ghost of Sam Howell, when it ain't when it ain't me playing quarterback for one of them, Bryce Young, who out here with the training wheels on still, when it ain't one of them, when it's one of them, one of them, them, one of him, you saw what happened. Two 75-yard drives down the stretch. They scored 17 points in the final three and a half minutes of a football game, ladies and gentlemen. So, yeah, this coaching staff rocks find them all because there's a lot of kicking that needs to be done. Matt Eberflus, punt time. Reggie Roby, hang time in the sky. Luke Getze, I'm good, fam. You I, Listen, Caleb Williams may have, have cried and not talked his way out of the hearts and minds of Bears fans. Now people are retreating back to Justin Fields. You know what it is. We can't see this many glimpses of a player play this well and think to ourselves, hmm, I wonder what's holding him back. The thing that he told y'all was holding him back is holding him back. It's as simple as that, man. And I, I'm, I'm, you might ask, why are you smiling about this? I'm tired of yelling and I'm tired of being upset about the Bears. It's right there in front of you. That is one of the best teams in the damn NFC. In the NFL, that's a top five team in the NFL. You're not supposed to be able to hang with them. I didn't think they would, and guess why they could? And guess why they did? Because of number one. Coming up, John Yastrzemski is going to take you through the Giants' big win over the Commanders and recap Jets' bills where I saw Tim Doyle got some snaps. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it. You can work out in it. You can go outside. You can go shopping down in your local wherever. And you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. to the local angle right here on FanDuel TV. I'm JJ John Jastrzemski, the host of New York, New York, where on this particular football Sunday, it really was a big fat offer for both New York teams in more ways than one. And I know some people are going to be watching saying, JJ, what are you talking about? The Giants got off the schneid. They beat the Washington Commanders on a day in which the Giants won they lost, but the bigger story and the more glaring takeaway is that the Jets season is officially on life support. The Jets went into Buffalo, a game that was supposed to be a litmus test, maybe a survivor game, however you wanted to slice it or dice it in the AFC East, however you wanted to slice it and dice it in the AFC. They go and take on a Buffalo team that's been reeling. 
They go and take on a Buffalo team that just fired their offensive coordinator, had this horrific Monday night loss against the Denver Broncos, and the Jets get absolutely steamrolled and lose 32-6. To the point where the Jets were never in the game for a hot second. And yes, the defense broke in the second half. Yes, Buffalo was able to capitalize on a couple of big plays. And Josh Allen finally solved the riddle of the Jet defense. Didn't turn the ball over. Didn't have a repeat of what happened in week one. But in reality, why was this game a lopsided, non-competitive Jet performance? Jet offense stinks. And I think Sunday, although we have been here before, we were here just a year ago with Mike White. We thought we were over and done with Zach Wilson in late March when Aaron Rodgers was announced as quarterback of the team. But I do honestly believe in my heart of hearts. We have finally reached a point where Robert Salad, Joe Douglas, and the New York Jet Brass are going to pull the plug on this quarterback. Think about this for a minute. Zach Wilson did not complete a pass to a wide receiver on Sunday. Couldn't complete a pass to a wide receiver. Now, maybe you want to throw a parade because the Jets actually scored a touchdown in this game. So they did that for the first time in three games. Maybe you want to celebrate that. But Zach Wilson goes to Buffalo. is 7 of 15 for 81 yards. You can't win that one. And in the second half of this game, and it was right after the Shakir touchdown in which you saw Quinn and Williams grilling Sauce Gardner for his effort on that particular play. You wonder if that was the moment where Robert Salah said, listen, enough is enough. I got to take a look at Tim Boyle and see what Tim Boyle can do. The Dolphins come to town on Friday. It really is the Jet last stand as far as keeping hopes alive for Aaron Rodgers coming back, keeping some hope alive that they can make a run in the month of December to get to nine or 10 wins to go and get themselves to the postseason. But you look down four at six, how did Jets get those particular wins with the state of their offense? I have to imagine that on Friday, we're going to see either Tim Boyle or Trevor Simeon start a quarterback. And I think it's just more the optic that the Jets are trying something new. Let's see what works. It can't be any worse than what we've seen. Who could blame them on that? And we're going to look back on this year. And obviously, the monumental storyline is Rodgers four plays in, tearing his Achilles and going down in that Buffalo game. But if you look beyond that, Aaron Rodgers was a 39-year-old quarterback. And the Jets foolishly believed that their best option going into this season was to keep Zach Wilson, try to sell this narrative that was nonsense, that all of a sudden he would learn, he would grow, he would become a different quarterback with Aaron Rodgers here. And there were actually some people in the New York media. Shame on them for this. And if you're in the New York Jet fan base and you bought this, not all of you did, but some of you did. And if you kind of believe this narrative, oh, Zach, he's going to be revitalized and salvaged and we're going to have something here. 
because Aaron Rodgers is coming to town. It, it was just so short-sighted. And the Jets did not have a plan, legitimately, for a backup quarterback when if you look up and down the sport, guys are getting hurt. Guys at the quarterback position are getting hurt. Now, I don't know if you would have been able to keep Mike White, but I know this. Zach was going to be able to win your games. And he has proven me right in watching him play. Nothing has changed with Zach Wilson. Nothing. Does anybody see a difference from the quarterback we saw last year, end of the year in December? The Detroit game, the Jacksonville game, whatever. The New England games that were an out-and-out atrocity. Like, see any difference? I don't. That's where Joe Douglas and the Jets got this wrong. He should have never been brought back here to be this team's backup quarterback. But that's the die has been cast. That's why the Jets are four and six. And now, can this team stay together and continue to fight in December? And is it to the point where, if you're Aaron Rodgers, as the mathematical chances of the Jets being a playoff team dwindle by the minute, you got to think long and hard about coming back this year. Unless you tell me the Jets are going to go play well, win three of the next four, and then that game on Christmas Eve is still going to have some sizzle and some meaning, and they're legitimately mathematically alive. I'm not talking mathematically alive where the Jets are, I don't know, a 1% or 2% chance to make the postseason. Because if that's the case, Aaron Rodgers will see you next year, and we'll see if Robert Sala gets the mulligan, if Nathaniel Hackett gets the mulligan, and the Jet offense just can be what they thought it was going to be. They had problems on this roster. On the offensive line, they had problems. They don't have a number two wide receiver, but it would be better if Rodgers was here. We all know that. And we'll never know how this season would have transpired if he didn't get hurt. What we do know is that the Jets, last year in the offseason and throughout this year, had multiple opportunities to go and get a different quarterback to bring into this room. They didn't do it. The best they did was Trevor Simeon. And you're seeing the inevitable play out and reality hit home and hit home in a big way. Now for the Giants, the talk all week was, we're not tanking. That's what you heard from Dable. That's what you heard from guys in that locker room. And they were right about it. They went to Washington after getting embarrassed by the Cowboys and the defense got absolutely embarrassed by the Cowboys. And they said, we're going to go and ball out on Sunday. That's exactly what they did defensively. They forced five turnovers. Kayvon Thibodeau and Dexter Lawrence were in a backfield that felt like every play. They got big picks, defensive scores, you name it. And they got a little something out of Tommy DeVito who made some plays in the passing game. Found Saquon Barkley found Darius Slayton, and the Giants do what they always seem to do. That's beat the Washington Commanders, football team, whatever you want to call them these days. Giants know how to beat that organization. They don't know how to beat Dallas and Philly, but they know how to beat Washington. Here's why today's a rough one. Despite those positives on defense, despite the fact that this team showed you a pulse for Dable and for Wink Martindale, you were dreaming about Tankathon a week ago. Possibility of Caleb Williams. Possibility of Drake May. 
those chances on Sunday took a monster, monster day. And the Giants are in a tough spot at this point of year where it's not like the Jets a few years ago, Gase, winless. You could sense with each loss how crucial and imperative it was. We still have a long way to go, and the Giants have a lot more talent on their roster than the Jets did a couple of years ago. And they're playing with a lot more pride. We understand. And they might have a couple more wins if they didn't screw up the Buffalo game and the Giants game. But players are not going to mail it in. They're playing for contracts. They're playing for that next check. And the Giants have some prideful guys on their defense. They showed you that today. Saquon Barkley's got a lot of pride. He's playing for a contract. He showed you that today. The Giants are going to pick high in the draft. The question is, is it going to be high enough in the draft to go and get themselves their next quarterback? That's the million-dollar question. Today, your chances of being one and two diminished. And they diminished in a big way. And to the point where this game Sunday against the Patriots week from today or Monday, whatever you want to look at it, doesn't seem as critical and as imperative as it was a week ago. Now, if you want to get giddy if you're a Giant fan, tough to do. Because in reality, you probably wanted to lose this game. And it felt unfortunately doesn't work out that way. We have a wrinkle on the local angle, like we do here on New York, New York, where we hear from the audience. We're going to take a couple of video messages today. Steph, our producer extraordinaire. Let's hear him. Hey, folks, this is Charlie from Elmhurst, Queens. Uh, I want to talk about my, the Knicks winning streak. Uh, I like the fact that the Knicks started to play well. I uh, believe Julius Randle started to tick up. And, of course, Jalen Brunson. Finally, the Knicks got a point guard. Now, they don't have a super side. I don't expect to win a championship. But I believe the Knicks, I guess, have won some games, regular season games, and they're going to be a really good team. They're going to be a playoff team. Hopefully, uh, we're going to have some deep playoff run, probably in the second round, maybe same as last season. So I'm very optimistic about my Knicks. But, my my goodness, I have no trust, zero, rock bottom, trust on the Yankees. I mean, the general manager, the manager, of course, the owner. You don't deserve a dime or a cent because the way you run operation, I cannot stand it. I hate you all, man. But, like, man, the Yankees are on all-time confidence, though. I cannot take it. And, my goodness, what happened to the Yankees? Well, Charlie, the Yankees got to start acting like the Yankees. And that means they got to be monster players for Soto, be the trade market, Yamamoto, and other moves to get the organization back to where they need to be. I think your point on the Knicks is spot on. They have hit their stride. Randall looks all the way back from the injury, and he's played much better than he did earlier in the year. Brunson obviously doing his thing. Knicks are a well-coached, hard-nosed team. They're going to win games in the regular season. They're still a player away from being a championship team, but they're going to be an enjoyable watch. They're going to be a competitive team. That's a given. Expect that to be the case. Let's take one more before we say goodbye. This is Jeff Money here from Queens. For the Monday Night Action, I'm going to go with the Kansas City Chiefs minus the two and a half. Okay, I'm out of here. Let's go. All right, Jeff Money, I'm with you. Now, I continue to be ice. They did not have a good Sunday on Ring of Wise, guys. Losing games by half points. Denver, just torture. Rams, torture. But Mahomes, small favorite. The play for me, Kansas City, laying two and a half. This is 
New York, New York with John Zastrzemski right here on The Local Angle. We're coming right back on FanDuel TV. Coming up next on The Local Angle, Brian Barrett and James White talk about the Patriots' outlook for Week 12 after this week's five. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. Brian Barrett from Off the Pike, and joining us now is three-time Super Bowl champ James White. James, ordinarily, we're breaking down a Patriots game after, well, eight of them they've lost this season. They did win two of them, but we have a bye week, so you get to watch the rest of the NFL. We got to watch the rest of the NFL on Sunday. So I wanted to kind of look back in terms of the Patriots drafting process of Mac, because I think the most likely scenario is Mac isn't the starting quarterback next year. And I think that he's taken a step back, but I also think there's reasons for it, right? I'm not making excuses for him, but he wasn't put in a good position to win, right? So if you look through the quarterbacks drafted in the first round from 2020 through 2022, I didn't put the 2023 class in here just because a lot of those guys are like, I can't make a, even though I don't love Bryce Young, I can't make a judgment on him yet because he's in a really bad situation in Carolina. (laughs) CJ Stroud, I mean, I could probably just say the guy's a stud already, right? But (laughs) Some of these guys, it's too early to tell. So let's start with Joe Burrow, who was the first quarterback taken in 2020. So year one, he gets hurt. That same year, they draft T. Higgins. The next year, they draft his college teammate, Jamar Chase, who's already, what, one of the five best receivers in the NFL, at least in the top 10. And they end up going to the Super Bowl the following season. Obviously, Burrow's a better player than Mac. But I think right away, you look at that Bengals situation. They did a lot better job helping their young quarterback by just those two draft picks. They definitely did. I mean, his offensive line was pretty bad in comparison to Mac's situation this year. The offensive line, you know, has been tough. And as we can see, those those hits start to add up and he got hurt his first year. He's hurt this year. So that that's an issue when it comes to that. But you would definitely say the the Bengals, they drafted guys to to help their quarterbacks succeed from the skill position wise. And it definitely paid dividends. You know, obviously T. Higgins already a playmaker. Get Jamar Chase to add on the outside as well, along with Tyler Boyd. I said they've had that, you know, that core centerpiece for these last three, four years. And you can tell, like, they strike fear in defenses. So it definitely helps Joe Burrow a ton. Yeah, that's a good point, too. Like, I totally forgot they had Boyd, too. And he was there, and they keep adding pieces to that team. Okay, so number two on the list is Tua, who was the second quarterback taken in 2020. And his first year... He's has this weird situation with Ryan Fitzpatrick. It was almost like a baseball closer. Remember that they were bringing Ryan Fitzpatrick (laughs) in to close games. It was bizarre. And I like Brian Flores as a coach, but we can't really argue with Mike McDaniel's been better for Tua. And look, Brian Flores doing an outstanding job in Minnesota with that defense. But Mike McDaniel was the perfect 
fit for Tua. Now, they also drafted Jalen Waddle early, and they decided that they were going to trade for this guy, Tyree Kill. So you look at that situation, that's number two on the list. It's kind of inarguable that the Dolphins did a better job than the Patriots. Yeah, Dolphins did a tremendous job. Like I said, Tua, a lot of question marks first couple seasons, you know, the mismatch with, with Flo. You know, Flo's a defensive coach. You know, they get rid of Flo. They bring in Mike McDaniel, offensive mind. You know, a guy who was confident in Tua, a guy who's going to simplify the game for him, you know, allow him to play to his strengths and do things that he does well, get the ball out quick, throw it in anticipation. And then you go out and get you know, one of the best receivers in the league. You you pay him all the money that he rightfully deserves and is going out there and showing. If you get pieces that are going to help your quarterback succeed, he's probably going to be a lot more comfortable. The game's going to come a lot easier to him. And like I said, the continuity is important too. When you have yeah. you know a guy within the same system for multiple years, that helps when you see some of these young quarterbacks, new offensive coordinator every single season. A lot of time it results in them struggling. Like like a la a la Mac, obviously, you know, McDaniels to Patricia, now to Bill O'Brien. You know, as a young guy, your your head's spinning and you're trying to go out there and prove things while while still learning systems all throughout the year. It's it's a difficult task. Yeah, I'm with you, man. And Tua, like, that was a great idea. And a lot of people criticized the Flores move at the yeah. time, getting rid of – and I know there was other stuff involved in that, obviously, too. But yeah. a lot of people thought, hey, Flores is a good coach. I think he's going to be a yeah, good he, coach next time he gets a job. But this certainly worked out for them. All right, so that brings us to number three on the list, which was Herbert, the third first-round pick in 2020. And you know how I feel about their coach, Brandon Staley. He stinks. <laughs> I expect he's going to be gone at the end of the season. But – they did already have Keenan Allen, who Julian Edelman loves Keenan Allen, thinks he's yeah. one of the best receivers in the NFL. He's yeah. awesome. They already had Austin Eckler, who is one of the best receiving backs in the NFL. And then they drafted Mike Williams, too, who they had there. So they had a lot of weapons for Justin Herbert. So And they had to, they've had to rebuild that line. They've had a ton of issues. But even if I look at the Chargers, that would be a better situation than the situation the Patriots are in. Yep, Justin Herbert, he was drafted into a really good situation you know, veteran wide receiver who's been at the top of the league throughout his entire career, very consistent, a very, you know, reliable target, third down situations, red zone, get Mike Williams, you have Austin Eckler. Like they, their line has, has struggled some. They went out, they've drafted guys at like Rashawn Slater at tackle, you know, to make sure the protection is there. Yeah, his situation has been great. He's a guy that he's dynamic. He has the arm strength. He doesn't use his legs a ton, which I think he should use it more because I remember watching him, you know, at Oregon, Pretty sure his last game at Oregon, he played Wisconsin and he ran all over us, which I like. I knew he was a, a big kid. I just didn't know he was able to run the ball like he did. And he might have ran for over 100 yards on us. So I, Rose I love Bowl, right? See, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. love to see him use his legs more in the league. I think he's he's dynamic and he has a speed. But yeah, another another situation where like I said you, you keep reliable targets around your quarterback. Obviously, those guys have been banged up. You know, these last couple of seasons, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen been in and out of the lineup. And last year I thought it was impressive. He he was out there throwing with, you know, second string, fourth string, fifth string guys throughout the, the most of the season. He was finding ways to get them the ball. So you gotta give them a lot of credit and him a lot of credit for, you know, going out there and gutting through that. It took a lot of shots though, with some of his offensive linemen out. Yeah, what's weird to me about Herbert for a guy with one of, I'd say, top three arm maybe in the yeah. NFL, right? Like you have Mahomes. He's going to be in the top three. Josh Allen maybe. But he's somewhere in the top five, at least, to be conservative on that. He's almost like too conservative. Like he doesn't yeah, really yeah. take a lot of chances for a guy <laughs> with that type of 
Like Aaron Rodgers did that for years where he wouldn't take chances and it kind of, it irritates you sometimes, but Herbert's been outstanding. I think they've done a better job than the Patriots. All right. So we can run through the last couple of these a little bit quicker here. And then I want to get your opinion on like the, the ones that could be the Patriots did a better job. Okay, so Trevor Lawrence, I'd say they did a better job because after the Urban Meyer disaster where he's <laughs> partying with co-heads after a game, didn't yeah, take yeah. the flight back with the team, <laughs> they went out, they get Christian Kirk, they get Evan Ingram, and they traded for Calvin Ridley, which was, of course, a really yeah. smart move considering he was suspended, so he didn't have to give up a lot for him. So I think they And they drafted ETN, so I think they did a better job. And then you look at Trey Lance, that's on the player, right? You have McCaffrey, yeah. you have yeah. Kittle, you have all these guys, all right? Debo, Ayuk. Then you look at Justin Fields. I'll get back to him. But Kenny Pickett, I would say, that's another one that he was 2022 first round. That was better than the Patriots because you drafted George Pickens. You, of course, had Deontay Johnson. It just, Matt Canada, that's kind of like a Patriots thing where he's not a good coordinator. But other than that, they did a pretty good job. So the, the close ones would be Justin Fields, who... I would slightly put Justin Fields' situation ahead of the Patriots now just because they added DJ Moore in the offseason. This is a number one, legitimate number one receiver. Then there's the situation with the Jets, which Zach Wilson, they had line problems, but they did draft Garrett Wilson, right? So, And then there's Jordan Love with the Packers, where that situation may be worse than the Patriots because all young receivers, right, the year prior to him getting the job, when Aaron Rodgers was still there, they had already traded Devontae Adams. So he's playing with a bunch of young guys. But those would be the three. Would How would you rank those in terms of compared to the Patriots? Would you have the Pat situation better than two of the three, one of the three, any of the three? I think you could make an argument the Patriots are the worst. But I would actually just put the Packers behind the Patriots. I actually think the Jets situation was better. And I also think the Bears situation now that they got DJ Moore, because DJ Moore is better than anybody that Mac has played with. I feel like the Jets situation might be right there with the Patriots. I know Garrett Wilson is probably more talented than every receiver that we have on the Patriots, but other than that, I mean, they have Alan Lazard. He, you know, he hasn't done much, and I, I couldn't even name you, you know, any of the other receivers that they that they have on their football team. So I, I might put them you know, slightly behind the page. I, I know how good Garrett Wilson is. He's a guy you can throw it to him. Even single coverage, double coverage, he can go out there and make a play for you. Packers, I don't think their situation is that bad. I think it's mm. for them, they have to, they're going to grow together. This I I saw this coming. Young core, young receiving core, young quarterback. It's going to take time. Young tight ends, they have two rookie tight ends. I know one of them ended up getting hurt. This, that's a situation where they're all going to grow together. This year is going to be a lot of ups and downs. And probably next year, they they could possibly take the league by storm. But Romeo Dobbs, you see what Jaden Reed's doing every week. This kid's you know making splash plays, scoring touchdowns, and then Christian Watson. You know, he was hurt early in the year. I think that team can be really good if they build chemistry. You know if they keep it all together as well. All right, up next on the local angle, the Philly special guys, Shell Kapadia and Ben Solak preview the huge Monday Night Football showdown between the Eagles and the Chiefs. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. 
Welcome to the Ringers Philly Special. Shield Kapadi here. Bonus episode. Uh, fun one for you today. We've got on one of our favorites, EJ Smith of the Inquirer. He'll get us caught up on what's happening at the Novacare Complex as the Eagles prepare for this Monday night football matchup. It's Eagles Chiefs. It's a Super Bowl matchup. We got to start off with the birds. EJ, my friend, how are we doing? I'm doing well, Sheila. I appreciate you having me, not just because it's always an honor to be on the podcast, but also as a as a writer yourself, I think you'll understand like having the seven o'clock, not to pull people behind the curtain too much, but having like a set time, like I got to be all done all my stuff by the time that the podcast comes around, mm. you know, that deadline really gets your, your blood pumping. You know, it's what I needed, honestly, after the bye week to get me get me back in the swing of things. Let's just get start with, I mean, you were down there, right? And then we heard from what, Nick Sirianni, Jalen Hurts. I don't know if there was any injury news. Just get us caught up uh, on kind of the, the news of the day down at the NovaCare Complex. Yeah, so I think the thing that everyone is most curious about is how does Jalen Hurts' knee feel? And obviously, Jalen is is pretty, uh, you know, cagey with the information about injuries and, you know, isn't really, the you know, it's, a, it's an old joke my old uh, colleague Bob Ford used to make, like, just once I wish an athlete would come in and be like, you know, guys, like my knee is really hurting me today, <laughs> you know, like, you know, just give you that uh, refreshing honesty, but that's not really Jalen's mantra. Uh, but today you could definitely tell he was maybe a little bit of higher spirits. I, I saw that John Clark tweeted that Jalen Hurts smiled at his press conference. And that was like, you know, that was like a big deal. And I was like, man, are we Breaking really got to a point. Yeah. Yeah. Jalen Hurts smiled <laughs> like that. We've gotten to that point, but, and you know, to be, to be fair, I didn't notice the smile. I mean, there's a picture of it, so it happened, but it was fleeting. Uh, <laughs> if there was a smile, um, but he did mention, you know, before the bye week he said selfishly, it couldn't have come at a better time for him. Um, and I think, you know, today he reiterated that it couldn't have come at a better time. Snee feels a lot better. Uh, your former colleague, Tim McManus, actually pointed out that he didn't have a knee sleeve on. Um, and Jalen confirmed mm. that he didn't have a brace or a sleeve on at practice and kind of like acknowledged like that's a sign of progress for him and his knee. So uh, especially with the way that Jalen was playing as a passer, you know, kind of limited in the running game, just when he was restricted to being more of a pass first type of player, like, I mean, the way he was playing to think about him adding the scrambling, uh, you know, aspect to his game back. During this stretch, I think it could be huge for the team. So um, he definitely seems like he's a lot better, you know, a lot, you know, um, you know, further along in his rehab process or healing process on the knee. Um, I think that's probably the biggest thing I took away from today. And just in general, I think the Eagles were healthier. Um, you know, Bradley Roby was back at practice. He was a full participant. Cam Jurgens was a full participant, which is huge for the, the offensive line in this running game. Um, you know, you could kind of tell like during practice, like th two weeks ago, Cam Jurgens like was running with like the twos during individual drills. Like, well, it, it was obvious that he they weren't really expecting to have him back. Um, but today he was running with Lane Johnson and Jason Kelsey in the individual drills. You know, you could tell it looks like he's he's on track to play. Um, and Greg Calcaterra came back too, which is important with Dallas Goddard out. Um, you know, that's the other big story from today, I think, and I think we'll get to it later. But the the Goddard injury, you know, guys were talking about how they're going to compensate for that injury. You know, Nick Sirianni talked about it a little bit. We heard from some of the tight ends. So, yeah, that's kind of the the, the overall picture of what we got at Novacare today. It was good to get back in the building yeah. and kind of get a, a sense of what's going on with the team. Yeah, it's funny. Like, Hertz's knee is the biggest 
story for the second half of the season. It's it's when that game starts on Monday night. What my my eyes are going to be like? All right, is does he look better? And it's it's yeah. not scientific the eye test, but you know you watch a guy and we've seen him at full speed. Like just watching um, that Super Bowl film this week and some of his runs there, and it's like it was a it was a reminder. Like all right, that's not what it's looked like athletically for him so far this season. Can he get some of that back? It doesn't mean you have to run him 17 times against the Chiefs in week 11 if he's better. But like you said, it could be a scramble here and there. It could be uh, he keeps on a zone read in a high leverage situation in the red zone, uh, little things like that. So um, that that really, yeah, that that's the big thing to see when you say, all right, they got the bye. He said the bye was going to help him. He seems to be in better spirits now. Now, what does it look like uh, when a game starts? So, yeah, I'm curious about that too. What What's the Sirianni thing? Were you you were you there for the Sirianni press conference? I was. Yeah. What's What's this thing about? He's going to. He's following Andy Reid's advice <laughs> and going to a, the same hotel. What, can you clue me in? Because I've only seen bits and pieces. I don't really understand uh, what's going on with that thing. Yeah, so I know I've, I've already dropped a lot of shameless or, you know, a lot of plugs for my colleagues here. But uh, <laughs> my colleague, Jeff McLean at The Inquirer, you know, you subscribe to The Inquirer, you get his content, you get my content. He wrote about this last year that uh, Nick goes up to New York City and like, you know, does a few of the things that Andy do- used to do when he was with the Eagles. You know, he goes up and sees the show. He stays at the Marquee in New York City, which is a fancy hotel there that Andy used to stay in. There was a few, I think there was a question today about whether or not uh, he stays in the same room as Andy, which I think would be a little (laughs) creepy. Um, I don't think that they're going that far. (laughs) Um, But no, I I know that, you know, Nick goes up to New York and kind of does like the Andy Reid, you know, rest and relaxation, uh, you know, getaway type of of trip. I think that the Eagles kind of put him onto that. Um, It's something that, you know, he's picked up from Andy. And listen, I mean, Andy's record coming off of bye weeks is, you know, well known. It is unqu- it's like unchallengeable at this point. Um, you know, it's like a fact that he's good at off coming off of the bye. But you know, Nick will say that they're good coming off of the bye under his tenure too. It's obviously a smaller tenure. Um, but you know, I, I think because we talked about this today too. Like Nick considers the like playoff bye, like the first round bye. He considers that like a, an applicable bye week in terms of how the, his team does after a bye week. Um, he does not get consider the Super Bowl an applicable bye week, probably because of all that goes into it. Um, so, yeah, I think Jeff had it today. I think that Nick's 3-0 and coming off of bye weeks, if you count the first round bye uh, from last year. So, yeah, I mean, listen, I think, again, it's going to take Nick probably a decade to get the, the Andy Reid respect coming off of the bye. But, yeah, there's definitely he's definitely trying to recreate some of the juju, I would say. Football coaches just crack me up. You know, it's like, like yeah. there's nothing wrong with it. It's like the most basic thing you can do. Listen, I like doing that. I like going to New York and I, I like going to a Broadway show. It's like, hmm, what am I going to do with this one week? The one time I, you know, will spend time with my family. But yeah, hey, let's go to a Broadway show. Yeah, what a great idea. Let's let's go uh, do that. So that's funny that he goes, same hotel. So that's the routine. I never knew that. That's that's good reporter from Jeff. I never knew Andy Reid did that um, yeah. with his with his bye weeks when he was in Philadelphia. So uh, so that's that's interesting. All right. That's the news of the day. Let's move. Let's look ahead a little bit. So I have like a series of, you know, questions, topics here. I wanted to get your input on as we look at not only to this game, but also to the second half of the season. And you touched on some of this already with just guys who are healthy, but post by personnel questions. Let's just like knock them out one by one. And I want to hear what you think the Eagles are going to do. So 
slot corner is obviously a big one. Sidney Brown was playing early downs. Eli Ricks was coming in in passing situations. I don't know how many guys have played slot corner for them uh, at this point, but you mentioned it. Bradley Roby um, appears to be getting healthy. Is how are you viewing this? Are you expecting like Monday night, Bradley Roby, just plug him in. He's your, he's your nickel on first, second, and third down, whatever, when you're in nickel and don't worry about uh, switching guys in and out. Do you think he replaces Ricks and just comes in on uh, passing situations? Do you think it's something different? Kind of give me um, just sort of what your feel is for what they're going to do with that slot corner position going forward. So the only thing I'm certain of is that they, well, that I would bet on at least is like, they will not just have one plan. If that's my, if I had to guess, like if there's anything that we know about Sean Desai, it's like that he will throw stuff against the wall and see what works. You know, he's not afraid to adjust now. Like the, the biggest thing that I'm curious about, and I haven't been able to talk to James Bradbury yet this week, but I'm curious if like the James Bradbury in the slot experiment comes back up this week, you know, when we talked, you know, before on this podcast, I remember one of the times I was on before we yeah, talked about this. this specific type of matchup, you know, where it's like, uh, you know, an elite tight end and especially against the Chiefs, like a, a team that doesn't have a ton of receiving talent. You know, do you try and get James Bradbury lined up in the slot against Travis Kelsey in high leverage moments, you know, especially in those high leverage moments? So I'm curious if Bradbury kind of gets some looks in there. Um, listen, I mean, they really trust Eli Ricks, you know, like. Uh, and like every time I talk to him, I come away impressed with how smart he is and, you know, how he's wired. Uh, I think that they probably took that trust a little bit too far <laughs> against C.D. Lamb, uh, you know, and even the week before against, you know, Terry McLaurin's a good receiver, too. So, like, you know, I think that they trust him a little bit too much in some in some in instances. Like he, this guy's still an undrafted rookie free agent who, you know, like you're asking him to cover some of the best receivers in the world. It's it's a little bit of an in a position that he hadn't played, you know, in college. So, um I think you still might see Eli Ricks, though. You know, I think that the the fact that they trust him so much is telling. And yeah, I mean, I to me, I think that that slot receiver position, I I could see Bradley Roby eventually taking it over and just being the guy. But especially like, I think that they they could find success. Well, I mean, not find success, but I think that there is an, it's intriguing to see like a couple of different guys in there for different situations. You know, like I like Sidney Brown in the slot on early downs. Like I think that him coming downhill against the run, like. That's a really good use of his skill set. Now, like when you get to four, in the fourth quarter, when you're up two scores, you probably shouldn't have Sidney Brown on the field anymore because, you know, you might not trust him in coverage as much. And that's where I think Bradley Roby really comes in. That's where I think Eli Ricks would come in. And yeah, in this specific matchup, I am curious to see if James Bradbury goes in the slot there. I mean, I'm curious if like the experiment from earlier in the season is like reason for them to never go back to it. Or if it's like we're, we're putting this on the back burner, but we know we can get to it when we need to. Because if I were, you know, if it were me, I'd probably put Bradbury on Travis Kelsey this week. You know, again, like it's not like the Chiefs have, you know, a wide array of receivers who could beat you. I would trust Josh Job or Eli Ricks on the outside against this group more than I would trust, you know, Eli Ricks against Travis Kelsey on a third down with the game on the line. So um, yeah. I think that there are going to be multiple, you know, looks that they probably throw at. At the Chiefs, I think they're going to try and figure out what works. But, yeah, I think that Bradbury is probably, in, in my opinion, I think he's the best option there. Travis Kelsey is different than if a team, like 
CD Lamb or Stefan Diggs. You know, like it's yeah. it's a different matchup than those guys. And, and Bradbury is a big uh, physical corner. Um, he's not the fastest guy. I think you could argue that maybe his speed has, you know, even this year has been kind of more of an issue than it was last year. But again, for this specific matchup, like, yeah, if you're doubling and it's Bradbury and someone else, and now a lot of that goes into, well, you know, do they know the rules and the leverage of how they want to double and if they're playing zone? So there's a lot of stuff going into it. I'm not saying it's as simple as you two. Um, you know, cover this guy and you have it covered. But yeah, I'm interested to see that too. I don't think that's a bad plan uh, at all. And it'll be interesting to see if the Eagles go to that. And Sidney Brown's an interesting player. You know, I'm with you. Like, man, he made some plays when he's firing downhill and we saw he can hit. Uh, That's kind of an element that I don't, I'm trying to like, they don't really, there's nobody else like in the, you know, at linebacker or uh, safety or corner really for them that brings that element. So it's nice to have one guy uh, who does. So I almost wonder if he's like a matchup to matchup, like his snap count, like when you're playing the 49ers, that could be a great guy to have on the field. Now, when you're playing the chiefs, maybe you're like, uh, you know, I don't know if we want to have him uh, out there, but I do think he's an interesting player to keep an eye on here. That'll do it for the Week 11 edition of The Local Angle here on FanDuel TV. Catch us every Monday, same time, same place. Until then, see y'all later. Be good, everybody.